Driving it home with Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. From global conflicts to greenhouse gases, the folks refusing to wear masks says, and politicians getting caught grabbing asses says, she's driving it home with Patty Vasquez. Hello, hello, and happy Monday, everyone. It is uh, very chilly out. And I was on my way over and I thought, well, this is, you know, this is kind of December-like weather. We haven't had too much of that. It's uh, about 29 degrees out. Yesterday was so windy. It was uh, kind of miserable. But today is uh, 29th. It's brisk. However, (laughs) at 9 o'clock tonight, it will be 3 degrees warmer than it is right now as the temperatures continue to climb. And by tomorrow, we will be in the mid-40s. I don't know if I should say this out loud, you guys, because it's it's so weird to even have these numbers coming out of my face. But by Monday, if the predictions hold as far as our weather goes, the meteorologists who are looking at patterns in our atmosphere, it looks as though... You know, usually at Christmas time we talk about, is it going to be a white Christmas? Is it going to, you know, we're going to have a, you know, a a wonderful winter wonderland for for Christmas? Um, Currently, all indicators are no. It is going to be, again, if things hold, (laughs) I can't believe, 57 degrees by Monday. 57. That's... You know what? I was just telling Andy, one of our producers here at WCPT, that uh, I'm not feeling festive. I'm not. I'm not in the holiday. I'm not. I don't. I don't tell you, Lady B. Are you in the holiday mood, Lady B? You feeling? You feeling festive? I. uh, I. I, I'm not feeling it yet. We've been trying. I've been putting the music on. Is it because I'm watching holiday horror movies? Is that why I'm not in the mood yet? (laughs) Is that? I can't hear you yet. Let's see. Is your microphone? We don't have you on. Let's see. Wait, let me see. If I, it's probably me. Let me see. Try again. Let me see. I think it's my board. Lady B, talk to me. Let's see if we can hear your lovely voice. No, got that. What else can I push? Those are the only buttons I know how to push. Let's see. O L A is on. I just. Uh, I think that I'm. I. I don't know what it's going to take, but I'm sure by Christmas Eve. Although, let me see. Can I hear you? I can't hear you. Why can't I? Maybe it's me. Maybe it's not you. Maybe everybody else can hear you. Let me try. Try again. Let me see. No, I can't hear you. Somebody said to come in and, and show me what button to push to make sure I can hear you in a little minute, Lady B. And it doesn't help, by the way, that uh, I was going to say maybe I'll be in the mood for the holidays by Christmas Eve. However, I will be doing stand-up comedy on Christmas Eve. Let me see. It's probably you should be able to hear oh, me yes, now. Oh, yes, I can hear you. Hi. Yeah, I think the horror movies will do it. <laughs> <laughs> Is that why I'm not in the mood for the holiday season? Yes. What are you doing to get in the mood? Are you making cookies? Are you, have you decorated um, the tree? When my granddaughter, we started practicing on get, making the cookies from scratch. Oh, yes. from scratch? I, oh, yeah. Getting the butter to room temperature? Yes. Not even microwave, you like room temperature. So it's got that that ice, the icing texture to it. Yes. All the sugar, all the flour. You're using sifters and all that stuff. Maybe that's what I need to do. Maybe I need to make holiday cookies. So, It'll do it. So, and then watch the, uh, 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 Santa Claus on Disney. I've been watching all that. I put Elf on yesterday and, uh, 
and yes, I've been watching a lot of violent Christmas. Maybe that, you're right. Maybe that's the problem. Like Silent Night, Violent Night, oh, no. uh, Black oh, Christmas. I've been watching. Yeah, it's probably my fault. I've been doing this. I had a very hard time letting go of Halloween. Apparently. Oh. Okay. Plus, I don't. Know if I, I don't think I've told you this. I am performing on Christmas Eve at a funeral home. So maybe it's me. Maybe I'm just, yeah, <laughs> we're doing, hold on a second, let me find the name of the show. We have a, a, a comedy show coming up on Christmas Eve. We're going to be having Chinese food. I have, I have a Jewish friend who invited me to perform at this show, and I thought, how, how, do, I, how do I not do that show? That, that's fascinating to me. Right. And <laughs> he's like, yeah, keep, keep talking, Patty. Well, the boys are grown. I, it's Chinese dinner, drinks, stand-up comedy show, December 24th, Christmas Eve. Is Comedy Dead, the Weinstein and Pizer Funeral Home yearly Christmas Eve event? You're not impressed by But you know what? A lot of people don't celebrate Christmas. Right. Well, in particular, the Jewish folks, I think, right. who are coming to my show. Exactly. See? So, this should be fun. <laughs> I'm not sure, like, the way you put that. Fun? You know, like, fun? <laughs> that, that sounds crazy. So, it's an 8 o'clock show at the Weinstein and Pizer Funeral Home in, I believe that's in Highland Park. There's, oh, it's almost sold out. <laughs> so, there you go. So, that, that's asked and answered for that event. Uh, oh, this event has sold out online. I, I, I don't know why I'm telling you all about it. It's already sold out. <laughs> that's exciting. All right, then that's what I'm doing. So maybe it's me. Maybe I, I just I have organized uh, Christmas poorly this year. And uh, let me know. Are you in the mood? Seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. We have a lot coming up on this show, and I'm, I'm excited. Of course, we'll talk to Dan Schaefer, the publisher of the Recombobulation Area, covering all things Wisconsin, and uh, talk about maybe maybe Dan's in the mood. Maybe there's maybe he can share some of the uh, festivity news, the uh, holiday season. And, uh, cheer from Wisconsin. Uh, I'll get there. I'm, I'm, I'm working. Maybe by tomorrow I'll be wearing my reindeer ears. I missed uh, Christmas sweater day at work today. I did not go in. I worked from home today, so I did miss that. Coming up a little bit later, we're going to talk to Rebecca Williams and Larry Garfield of Fair Vote, Vote Illinois. You know, we've talked about that quite a bit on the show, and I want to continue having that conversation, even as we head into 2024. It's not on any ballots anywhere, but I think that it, it, it definitely helps us in... In, in visualizing what elections could be. We have so much going on. The, the biggest issue is suppression of votes, uh, really marginalizing voters, making it impossible or harder for them to vote, whether it's you're not able to distribute water to people who've been standing in line for hours, knocking people off the rolls because for really arbitrary reasons in many cases, uh, tricking people in Florida. You know, there have been stories of people who are, uh, have been uh, convicted of a crime and then told that they could then vote again, and that they changed it without telling them, but then still sent them a, a, a voter registration card, and then those people wanted to vote, and then were prosecuted for illegally voting. Uh, I think that fair vote, I think that ranked choice voting would really, I, I think it would make a lot of inroads into improving both our elections, right, the, the type of people who run for office, our confidence in those elections, and I think the cynicism, I, I would hope, I, I don't know, there's, I don't know there's any cure for the cynicism, the people who feel that it doesn't matter who you vote for, it doesn't make any difference, and and I've been thinking about this for the last couple of days, I mentioned this briefly yesterday, I know Joan talked about the gas prices going down, and 
there really no one, you know, one administration can claim responsibility for what the gas prices are because there are so many factors involved, in particular those that sell the gas and have all the drilling rights and do the, the work of production. Uh, you know, they uh, that's a big factor. However, Republicans are so much louder when they complain about gas prices going up, blaming it on the president that's in office, always the, the Democrats. Remember, this happened under Obama as well, that uh, the gas this is ridiculous. You know, we're never it's gotten out of control. Gas prices are never coming down because of Obama. And of course, they came back down. And look, there was a there are a lot of factors that were involved in gas prices going up globally, including the war, uh, the the invasion by Russia into Ukraine disrupted gas production and the ability for gas to be distributed around the world. And that was a that was something that the Republicans ran with in their elections last year. It wasn't that necessarily that successful. And now gas prices are at two dollars and seventy five cents in some areas of Illinois. I know that because I was in Mokina on Saturday and I, I didn't even need that much gas. I'm like, I am topping this baby off. I wish I could take some some gas cans of this with me. However, driving through Chicago, I did find gas stations that were at 350, at 360, 365, and that is still below that big banner on I-90, and uh, there's a huge banner. It's, it's near, I think it's Arlington Heights area on I-90 on the Jane Adams. Yeah, I miss Trump. Remember when gas was 375 under Trump? <laughs> Such bad marketing now in some parts. It's going. It, it, there are reports it's going to dip below two dollars in Wisconsin, uh, and I, it's. I'm just saying. I think we get to celebrate this, and I. I am yes, I am being tongue in cheek when I say thanks, Joe Biden, because if they're going to blame it on Biden, we should at least get to celebrate when the gas prices go down. All right, that 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 puts me in a pretty good mood. The gas prices are down, but what can get me in the holiday mood, Dave? What What are you doing to get in the uh, into the spirit of the season? Oh well, I, like I was thinking about that spot, like you said, where the that I seen that sign that time about with Trump, and I thought yeah. about that when I seen the gas like around around me here, it was like two ninety four. Yeah, for it's it's coming down. Was, yeah, and uh, I thought they should post that, you know. Uh, yeah, they're not going to change that right. banner. No, no, because eventually no, it'll no. go back up, and then they'll be able to see. See, we were right. Okay. Yeah, it doesn't have like a doesn't have a t- doesn't have like a rolling ticker on it. It's just a solid banner. There's not the yeah. anyway. Does was, it. Uh, so what's your thing on the holidays? Nothing, uh, not, not, nothing different, you know. To me, it's just a different day. You know, I don't. Uh, okay. So you no kids. So you're not in the like mood that, either. You're like me. I don't know. Just that I thought I was in the service where you couldn't get off. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and go home. You know, because others already had filled the time and. And it just, and you know, like I say, when I don't have no kids, it's uh, yeah, just kind of another day. But but I remember, like, when um, with Dick K, we had that years ago. One of the best memories I always remember was, where I, you know, I grew up in the UP. It was up very uh, rural up there. And we'd go, you know, when I went out to get a Christmas tree, I had to go get the family Christmas tree. And... We, it wasn't like going over to Jewel or somewhere and picking it out of the parking lot. We had to go traipsing through the, yeah. <laughs> through the woods or the swamps and looking for just the right one, you know, if the shape was right, you know, and and then knock the snow off it or something, take it down and drag it out. And, right, right. And, and and then the smell, because I always remember the nice yeah, awesome tree in that. And that was, you know, yeah. and then seeing the approving look of my mother of a, uh, brought the good tree in so 
Yeah, I miss wow. I miss real trees. My son is is very allergic to tree to pine trees and trees in general. He has envi- Declan has environmental allergies, and his whole fa- we can't keep we can't keep him on Benadryl for the whole holiday season. I got to run because we got Dan Schaefer coming up. Dave, okay. thank you so much. Yeah, right, I, I, I'm with you. I, the smell of pine trees in the house for the holidays definitely makes a difference. Yep. Maybe I'll get some a All wreath right. or something. Have a good one. Talk to you soon. Yep, you too. Be well. Thanks. You too. Let's take a break here, and we'll check in with Dan Schaefer from the Recombobulation Area when we come back on WCPT. 820 Heartland Signal. Tune in to Joan Esposito, live, local, and progressive for daily professional guest insights. It's really amazing to have someone speak sensibly and clearly and honestly. I'm talking to uh, Alderman Scott Wagaspak of the 32nd Ward, Professor Joel Ostro from Benedictine University, Dr. Brian Jerwad, Ron Whittingham, co-chief executive officer and investment executive at Megan's Financial. Listen to Joan Esposito, live, local, and progressive weekdays from 2 to 5 p.m. on WCPT 820 a.m. WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk, where facts matter. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. I just saw this breaking news. Andy, our producer, uh, texted me, and then I checked in with Dan Schaefer, who joins us on the line from the, the publisher of the Recombobulation Area. I had just saw that the Supreme Court of Colorado has made a ruling. Dan, so why don't you break the news for folks who haven't seen this yet? Yeah, I'm just seeing this come across my feed here as well. Uh, reading from Caitlin Collins at CNN, the Colorado Supreme Court rules Trump is disqualified from holding office, citing Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, removing him from the state's 2024 ballot. Holy what a ruling. What's happening here? Holy moly. I don't, I don't, well, it's, I mean, it's going to, I mean, it has to go, now it has to go to the Supreme Court then. I would imagine the Supreme Supreme Court. I, I would think that would be that would be <laughs> seems to be a next step there. Okay, so, uh, but I know there are a number of states attempting this, and it seems is I, I, I imagine this is the first time this has happened. That Colorado uh, is is oh. the Colorado Supreme Court is making this ruling. Pretty wild. That is very wild. Okay, so I'm just my, my brain is racing because I just figured none of this was going to make it past whichever judge along the way, uh, because it's a state's. You know they they can they are supposed to hold it to the letter of the law. That was Texas's reasoning in the Kate Cox case last week with her uh, efforts to terminate a pregnancy that was going to result in a, in a stillborn or painful what, all those things. Right? They said the way the legislation was written that she could not have that they had not demonstrated uh, anything contrary to the way the law was written. So apparently, the Supreme Court has decided that the way the law is written in Colorado, he is not eligible to be on the ballot. So now it depends. I guess the Supreme Court then. I see this is where my brain stops. <laughs> this, is, this is where we're discombobulated here, Patty. This <laughs> is discombobulating. Very discombobulating because if it's Colorado, because the states have the right to to run their elections the way they see fit by their own constitutions, right? See, I mean, each state has its own state constitution. I imagine that's that's what their the state supreme court is oh ruling on. Oh my god! Okay, this is wild. How's your brain doing on this? Uh, doing okay. Doing okay. <laughs> Little, I need to do some of my own recombobulation here uh, to to process some of this news. Uh, usually, I come on to try and recombobulate with you, but uh, I'm yeah. just, frankly a little discombobulated myself. News <laughs> come across my feet. I'm, put it, I'm putting my my shoes back on. I'm I'm putting all my my liquids back in my carry on bag. I'm trying to make sure I still have my boarding pass because I forgot to, I don't want to get on my phone because it's a reflection. Always. Anyway, uh, all right. Well, we'll we'll you and I we can. 
recombobulate separately and recombobulate next week maybe on this because uh, always something going on in Wisconsin. What is going on with the general with the legislature uh, and the funding that uh, oh, the forever chemical funding for because this is something that uh, a lot of states are dealing with uh, environmental issues and we're still recovering from all the deregulating under Trump. So what's happening with the funding for forever chemicals? Yeah, this was uh, news today that the, uh, the Tony Evers is asking the Republican-controlled Wisconsin State Legislature to release some funding uh, that was approved in the state budget, uh, a budget that the Republican legislature passed and the Democratic governor signed. But in Wisconsin, we have these weird trapdoors and weird uh, you know, nuances to our state government. Uh, that Republicans always like to exploit to their benefit. And so, you know, we have the governor governing, we have the legislature legislating, and then there's this secret third thing uh, that the Republicans like to employ to give themselves more control over certain levers of power. And they've used this in a number of different ways, and they kind of force these issues into small committees uh, that that are under their control in the legislature. And, And a number of things have happened with that. The governor is actually... Uh, has filed a lawsuit um, over their use of this, and and we'll see if that uh, gets taken up by the Wisconsin Supreme Court. But the news today was that the uh, this legislative committee is holding up $125 million that was passed in the state budget uh, to address forever chemicals in water. That's a huge, huge issue uh, around the state of Wisconsin. You know, central Wisconsin in particular has really faced some some serious issues with this. The city of Wausau uh, Mayor Katie Rosenberg, they've really been uh, taking uh, initiatives to address this issue um, of finding those those forever chemicals in their water. And they're, you know, they, finally, after a, after kind of a long back and forth over the past few years, the legislature approved this funding. Uh, but now it's being held up by this, this one uh, financial committee in the legislature. And the governor's asking for them to, to stop the shenanigans, as he's had to do so many times. Uh, with the Republican legislature during this uh, era of divided government that we have in Wisconsin. Yeah, it's not enough to pass it. They're like, well, you can pass it. You just don't get to, there's no way for you to actually enact it. And that happens actually more common commonly than I think people realize, not just in Wisconsin, but across the country, even if everybody is on board with it. And this is something that, that actually has happened in Illinois, but it's neither here nor there. Uh, it wasn't for contentious reasons, but for whatever reason, like things just don't, unroll the way they're supposed to it's it's frustrating isn't it well this this happened this came to a head recently in wisconsin over the past couple weeks over a debate over the funding for the uw wisconsin uh, for the the university system in wisconsin you know republicans were essentially holding these raises these approved raises for uh uw system employees they were holding them hostage in order to gut the dei efforts Right. Uh, that the uh, that the university was trying to go forward. So again, it was an instance where the you know the, the Republicans in the legislature passed it, the governor signed it into law, but then they used these obscure committees to try and hold things up and use the levers of power to uh, to to um, you know to get their priorities moving forward. And their priority in this case, you know, in the case of the university system was to, you know, gut all of these diversity measures uh, that have been put in in the state of Wisconsin over the past uh, several years. And it's just, you know, a part of the nationwide 
uh, effort to, you know, kind of push back against any of these diversity types initiatives that are in uh, public spaces and all that. And it's, it's, you know, it's unfortunate that, uh, you know, a number of uh, leaders in Wisconsin kind of caved to those Republican demands. And, and you know, they uh, I've been making the joke all the time uh, over the past week that, you know, it's like the, if you give a mouse a cookie, they're going to want to want a glass of milk. Well, you gave uh, Republican Assembly Speaker Robin Voss a cookie by by caving to his demands on DEI. And now he says. He's just getting started. He wants to get the whole program, wants to right. do the whole thing. So he's looking for the whole glass of milk now, which is uh, just frustrating. It's not a way to govern, but here we are. Right. It's not a way to govern. And yet it's the, you know, regardless of how low his polling numbers are, I think we talked about how, what is it, like 12 percent approval rating? for yeah, it's like six, it's about 16 percent approval rating or favorability rating in the state, which is uh not great. No, <laughs> for but, him. but it doesn't matter because his district will keep reelecting him and then his, you know, his caucus will keep electing him to be the speaker. And here we are right back again, because and that's why I think they say the, the quiet parts out loud about defunding public education and wanting to come for the, you know, the woke culture. And the, the, it's the hubris of it. They have the they have the power. They can keep doing it. There's there's nothing to upend this until the gerrymandering and the maps are resolved. Right. Right. And that is uh, that could be happening any day now. Really? really. Uh, the 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 case for redistricting, uh, it, the challenge to the state constitution, uh, that ruling could be happening at any time. So the oral arguments happened uh, in late November on that redistricting case. Uh, I attended a forum on this with it that involved a couple of the, the litigants in the case. Uh, in Madison a couple of weeks ago, and you know one of the, the one of the conservatives on the panel said that he expects a ruling, you know, within the next couple of weeks. And now we are a couple of weeks later. So I talked to I actually quoted in uh, at the Recombibulationary. I talked to Jeff Mandel uh, from Law Forward. He's kind of the lead uh, lead attorney uh, on the case to to strike down these maps. He said he expects those maps. Uh, he expects the Wisconsin Supreme Court to rule on the maps. He expects them to strike them down. He expects it to happen by mid-January. So uh, it really wow. could happen uh, at any time here. I, you know, I do think it'll probably happen after Christmas, maybe after New Year's. But uh, we're all on high alert, Wisconsin, to see <laughs> when and how uh, those those maps might be struck down. Yeah, and I mean, look, it's a scramble for the Republicans because I believe the same thing just happened in New York. What was it last week or the week before? Which. Yeah, a number of these, a number of lawsuits challenging these these gerrymandering efforts in uh, all over the country. I think there was another one filed in North Carolina, but that that might be one of the only other states that really rivals North Carolina and Ohio really rivaling Wisconsin uh, in their extreme gerrymanders in a lot of ways. Some of those are more uh, of a congressional focus, but ours are obviously uh, just for the state legislature at the time being. Yeah, I mean, and there's so much. There's just look. It's the case in every state, whether it's education or healthcare, uh, infrastructure. But there's so much on the line, and I know that I, I was I'm, I've been scrolling through your your feed on Twitter, and yes, I will never call it the other name because I don't care. Uh, apparently, <laughs> have you seen that, that he's mad about that? Elon's mad that people still keep calling it Twitter, which makes me want to call it Twitter even more. 
Yeah, you can still go to Twitter.com and open it up. So uh, it's going to be Twitter. <laughs> right, right. As far as I'm concerned. Plus, I don't know. I don't know how much you know about Chicago history, and we refuse. Like, I, I still, I'm, I've still called it Marshall Fields, not Macy's. Comiskey, not whatever it is now. Sears Tower, no idea what else it is. So it's 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 just it's built into my DNA. <laughs> you can you can name whatever you want. We've got a number of those here, and I still call it Miller Park for yeah. our baseball stadium in Wisconsin, even though it's been American Family Field for a number of years now. So. Oh really? I always call it, I just call it Brewers Field. I don't know what it is. So it's it's Miller. It was Miller uh, Park. We can keep calling it Miller Park. We like to we like our beer here, so we'll we'll keep calling Miller? it Miller Park okay. at least uh, unofficially. I'm, no, I'm on board with that Miller Park. Excellent. Uh, but I know that you uh, you also were, were hosting uh, in a uh, was it the WTMJ Knights? Which one is that? Yes. The yeah, WT- that's right. Six twenty WTMJ Knights. Uh, I was I filled in as a guest host. Uh, last Friday, so uh, you know, I get uh, get some practice on the radio here with you, Patty, and then I can uh, do do a little guest hosting uh, here in my hometown as well. So, well I've, uh, yeah, we had some good conversations on that on that program. I, I've been on one of your shows before, and you're a great host. And I know that you got a phone call. It says here that you, uh, someone called and said their their child is not going to be applying to UW schools in the uh, aftermath of the DEI, you know, chaos and defunding. I think it's going to happen a lot, don't you? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, we had an interesting call. You know, I was talking to State Representative Dora Drake, who was uh, the chair of the Legislative Black Caucus uh, in Wisconsin. And she was, you know, very one of the one of the most vocal opponents uh, to the the, the Republican deal with with the UW system that gutted DEI. Uh, You know, she was just talking about how how important these programs are for for so many people of color across the state of Wisconsin. And we had somebody call in, uh, you know, uh, just a a, a chemistry, high school chemistry teacher Ah. who called into the show and said that he thought many of his, he was going to talk to his students about, you know, where they were going to go next, where they were going to seek higher education. And he said he thinks it would be less likely that they would, you know, go to UW-Madison. I think he was an AP teacher. So, you know, obviously people who are, you know, on track to, to go to a, a, you know, a high-level university like, like UW-Madison is. And he was saying that he thinks, you know, people might go to Minnesota, may, might go to Northwestern, might uh, go to somewhere else. ILL, INI. As a graduate as a graduate of the University of Illinois, I just want to say, we don't have, like, the the water features that UW-Madison has. We also don't have the high hills you know, it's not as many. It's just not as hard to walk in the winter. Is all I'm saying. We got the prairie. It is a beautiful campus. To those listening in Wisconsin, uh, we would love to have your students at the University of Illinois Champaign Urbana. That's all I'm saying. It's a great campus. Great engineering <laughs> program. Well, as a history, uh, as a history uh, candidate. Well, I, I went to grad school for history at Northwestern. I can tell you, I still like U of I better. Just saying. Anyway, that's just my two cents. <laughs> My my grandpa went to University of Illinois. I'm sure he would agree with you. There you go. Uh, And we can never uh, have a conversation without at least touching on your beloved uh, (laughs) Ron Johnson. I'm sorry. That was just funny to say. Beloved. Uh, Uh, Our senior senator. Time again for our weekly segment discussing... The dealings of our senior senator. He now says he was slightly wrong about saying that uh, Democrats have also had fake electors and tried to overturn an election. Is that what he said? He was slightly wrong? Yeah, he said he was slightly wrong, which for Johnson, (laughs) admitting he was slightly wrong about something. Is as close as we're going to get to uh, admission that he's uh, a liar and is peddling a bunch of nonsense and is trying to mislead people about his own involvement, about the about the fake electors plot in general, 
Um, you know, it's been three plus, almost three years of this now since January 6, 2021. Uh, and so he's, he's the fact that he's still on this, but the fact that he admitted to a, a reporter, uh, at uh, the CBS station here in Milwaukee that he was slightly wrong, I think that's significant. So, you know, mark the calendar, release yeah. the doves. Ron Johnson actually admitting that he is slightly <laughs> wrong about something. Oh my God! Yeah, I'll take it. I love that uh, that they went back and they fact checked him. Fact checked him. Fact check. That doesn't sound like a proper sentence. They decided to fact check him. <laughs> they fact uh, well. Caitlin Collins on CNN. I got to give give props yeah. to her for the you know she she was fact checking him live yeah. uh, during that interview where he made an absolute fool of himself last week and and went back with a you know a, uh, you know about a five minute segment or something like that the following day fact checking all of the all of the you know attempts that he and his office had uh, to to clarify what he had to say and then finally he you yeah. know dog tail between his legs on on Friday afternoon saying yeah maybe I was slightly wrong about that you yeah. know yeah do you think <laughs> I'll, you're right I'll take yeah. that I'll take that victory what do you got coming up in the recombination area Dan. Uh, subscribers uh, would be will be excited to find that I have a uh, uh, coming up very soon. I have a sit down interview uh, that I did earlier this week with Milwaukee Mayor Cavalier Johnson and Milwaukee County Executive David Crowley. Talk to them both together about uh, the big year that they had in Milwaukee. So got a video podcast stories all coming out from that interview uh, in the coming days here. Outstanding. Everyone follow Dan Schaefer on Twitter. That's right. Twitter. It's S-H-A-F-E-R. Dan Schaefer, the Recombobulation Area Publisher. And subscribe to his subsec. Get your newsletters from the Recombobulation Area. Stay up to date on everything Wisconsin because we are going to do everything we can to help flip Wisconsin. Well, at least just darker shade of purple or redder shade of purple. Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> Something. A bluer shade of purple. A bluer shade. Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right, right now, there's uh, 25% off all subscriptions at the Recombobulation Area, too. So, uh, you know, get on board now. Get that subscription. Subscribe for the rest of the next year. You'll have all of our content uh, that we're putting out through the election day of next year. It's going to be a uh, it's going to be a lot. It's going to be oh, there's so many, there's going to be so many things. It's going to be like drinking from a fire hydrant. I came for a sip of water and they opened the whole thing in my face. It's going to be a lot, Dan. If today's in any indication, uh, the Colorado Supreme Court decision. Uh, yeah, there's a lot going on. Thank you so much for joining there's us. There's going to be some discombobulating moments and yes. we're going to need to recombobulate. I didn't even ask. What are you doing for Christmas? I'm sticking around here, sticking around here in Milwaukee. Love Christmas in Milwaukee. So we're uh, we're just enjoying the time with the family here. Oh, wonderful. Well, I hope that all the, the, the there's all the magic your family deserves and enjoy yourselves. Cuddle, you know, just enjoy the memory, the, every memory, because when they're little, it's just the best. And then you have a 20 year old in your house going, what? <laughs> Slamming doors in your face. I'm just saying it might happen. Well, my, my kids are seven and two, and so yeah. they're very much enjoying the magic. Too. So we'll, we'll be enjoying it with them. Do all the things. Do all the things, Dan. Have fun. And uh, we'll talk to you again next week if you're up for it. All right. Thank you so much. Be well. You too. Take care. Let's take a break here. When we come back, we're going to talk to our friend Beth Morrison. We're going to talk about uh, some some of the issues. Maybe that's what I'm feeling. I'm just feeling a little uh, ennui, I guess, about the holidays. Uh, let's talk about uh, uh, mental health uh, in the holiday season when we come back on WCPT 820, Heartland Signal. This is WCPT 820, where facts matter. 
Hey there, it's your guy Warren Price from European and U.S. Collision Repair, a division of Technicraft Body Shops. We specialize in automobile and truck repair as well as normal automobile maintenance. With our highly skilled technicians and environmentally friendly materials, we strive for quality. Call 773-248-1200. That's 773-248-1200 or europeanus.com. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. There are a lot of reasons why we can be a little emotionally vulnerable during the holiday season. And we wanted to welcome Beth Morrison from the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention uh, to talk about Talk Saves Lives this month. How are you doing today, Beth? I'm good. How are you? I'm I'm very good. It you know I've I've gone through this uh, my entire life. We all have different reasons why the holiday season can be a mixture of emotions. Uh, you know, and I was talking even before we we were coming up to this conversation about just not feeling quite in the mood, and that can even be a hard thing because everyone's celebrating, everyone's in a good mood. It can feel very intensely painful for some folks this time of year, can't it? Oh, it definitely can. And, you know, for quite a lot of folks, actually, and just, you know, the holiday stressors alone can increase depression for those who already have depression, but can also lead to what they call the holiday blues, a temporary increase in stress, which can leave people feeling overwhelmed, depressed, irritable, yeah. all of those things. Because <laughs> so many, well, so many things come to the surface, right? It's the family relations, it's finances, it's memories, you know, whether you've experienced, you know, lost someone or there's a memory of trauma that's associated with Christmas. It's, it's, very, it's a lot. It's a lot, a lot. What are some of the things that we can do to uh, take care of ourselves and others? Well, I think the first thing that we can do is just recognize that it's okay for us to be feeling, whether it's grief, experiencing, you know, loss and and stress, it, it's okay and, and for us to allow ourselves to experience those feelings. And sometimes we just need to incorporate that into the holidays or we need to set boundaries and we need to practice self-care and also talk to our relatives, talk to our friends, let people know what we're experiencing and let them know that we may need to back out of some of the, you know, normal traditions or create new traditions with family and to just let yourself know that it is okay. Oh, I, that really uh, strikes a chord because I, I think I find myself sometimes with someone I love, uh, you know, trying to figure out how to get back to old traditions. And you're, you, when you try to shove things, it can it can make everything sort of uh, not just uncomfortable, but painful. And, and I think that that's so I think it's also a conversation for people who uh, don't realize that someone is establishing boundaries. When someone says, you know, I, I've made other plans or I'm not going to make it this year. Let it lie. Don't push. Right. Let's not let's not shame somebody because they've made a decision for their holiday choices, right? Exactly. And there are certain things that you can do to help support someone who might be going through that. And, you know, just things like, you know, I'm here saying something like, I'm here for you. And, you know, let me know what you need and how can I help? What right. can we do? And just checking in on that person, you know, even if they are maybe isolating themselves, 
and you're getting caught up in your own holiday stressors and your own holiday gatherings, make sure that you check on those loved ones who have decided not to participate. That's such a great point. And and that can be as simple as sliding into their DMs, you know, uh, or texting them or or just send a a friendly gift, right? Like just a little, letting them know you're thinking about them without any pressure, no strings. I think that's important to remember. You don't have expectations that they need to do something in return. Yes, and I also think, you know, you mentioned grief and you you mentioned people who may have experienced a loss and it may have been a recent loss too. And I know one of the biggest feelings or emotions that some of my clients have talked to me about the holidays is that feeling of guilt, like I'm not supposed to be having fun. I shouldn't be doing these things. But it's so important that we do participate in the things and, and try not to feel guilty about those things. We need to help ourselves feel better. And sometimes when we continue to isolate, we end up increasing our symptoms of depression um, instead of, you know, allowing yourself to have those moments, but then balancing that out with doing something that you enjoy. Absolutely. And I know that uh, another recommendation is to find some way to get out during the daylight hours. And as it turns out, we are going to have a seasonably warm, unseasonably warm, unseasonably warm uh, weekend coming into Christmas. It's going to be up to 55 degrees if these predictions hold. So it's a good it's a good time to get outside and move too. correct. Definitely. So we definitely want to pay attention to in terms of practicing self-care, you know, exercise and just getting ourselves out in the sun, even if you're not. And there are people who are not able to go out and walk or exercise, but even sitting close to a window if you're on those chillier days, sure. just getting some daylight hours in, because what can happen is also the seasonal affective disorder, which is related to changes in the daylight hours. So we definitely want to make sure that we're getting out and getting, you know, the serotonin that the sun provides. And also, if you're noticing that you are feeling, you know, down and depressed most of the day for long periods of times, because I know seasonal affective disorder can last up to four months, you want to make sure that you're getting enough vitamin D and making sure that you are speaking to a doctor about that and eating, actually eating um, the good carbohydrates, making sure we're getting the green leafy vegetables that can help increase our serotonin levels. Um, because what happens is our we can have changes in our body's natural clock or the circadian rhythm might be off, and we could produce a, we could be producing more stress hormone, um, more melatonin. So we definitely want to balance that with some good healthy carbohydrates, getting out as much as we can. We can even walk in our house if if you you know if the weather's bad, if it's raining or if it's snowy, we can definitely you know walk in our house, um, do some stretching exercises, yoga. Those are also some some alternatives. I, I I know that uh, meditation helps a, a lot of people. I, I try. Mm-hmm. I'm not consistent with it, but I want to tell folks who like, if, you know, it feels weird or I don't even know where to start because, it, it, you know, it, it seems easy to some people. But for other folks, it's like, OK, I got to be quiet. I can't think of anything. There are really good five minute videos, 10 minute video up to an hour of guided meditation online on YouTube. You can just Google yeah. it and, or, or just search for it. And it really I mean, even if it's just a couple minutes to slow down, don't you think? Yes. And with meditation, it's one of those things that we can always come back to. It's always going to be there. And it is definitely a skill that we learn. So we we need to practice it. And I know even for myself, um, I am certified in, in meditation. And for me, when I started it, 
I just felt like, you know, man, I just can't make these thoughts stop and yes. I can't make this slow down. But it's not about making the thoughts stop because we're human. So we're always going to have those thoughts, but it's just gently observing them and then bringing yourself back to the breath. There's a saying that goes, you know, if we have to come back to the breath a hundred times, we come back a hundred times. <laughs> so we can always just continue to inhale and exhale and just observe those thoughts and come back to that breath. But even a three minute, you could even, you know, relax yourself in three minutes with a breathing exercise. Yeah, I, I saw a study one time that, you know, I am, uh, what, is it, what did my teachers in grade school say? I lack impulse control. So <laughs> it was on, it was literally on my report card. Uh, and it's something that's taken me a long time to, you know, it, it means sometimes that I'm passionate about something. Uh, I don't necessarily think. But if you take a breath, it can change the, the energy behind, what, you know, whether you're angry or whatever. Because I, I go in every direction, whether it's happiness or yes. anger. But taking a breath and letting your brain chemistry settle, right? Yeah, so it activates the parasympathetic nervous system when we take a deep breath in. That's our calming center. So once we do the inhale and we breathe deeply, we're actually activating our de-stressing center of our brain. So, yeah, so there is science behind it. And, you know, meditation means many different things. And if you're not, you know, someone who can sit and just and breathe and, and remind yourself to breathe in and breathe out, you mentioned something that's an excellent technique, which is a guided me- meditation where someone is talking you through, um, whether it's a relaxing scene like near the beach or some other, you know, outside in the forest or the woods, you can find one that really speaks to you. And there's also energizing meditations. So one of the nice things about um, having, you know, the internet at our fingertips is being able to access all of these things for free on YouTube. Um, but that does bring up something as well that I just wanted to, to touch on with social media and the internet Yes, is the holiday season can definitely be a trigger um, for, for folks using social media. So we may need to limit our time on Facebook. You know, we might be seeing, you know, friends and family celebrating and everything looks so wonderful and we're not experiencing those same feelings or those same things. We might not be able to be with our families over the holidays. So it is important to maybe limit our screen time on social media and remind ourselves that not everything we're seeing is 100% factual. Everyone is dealing with their own issues. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the thing is it, it, you got to take a break. Uh, I'm even trying to find ways. Like I, I sign out from Facebook, so it's not as easy for me to just click on it and <laughs> just start scrolling. Uh, but yes. yeah, I mean, it, it, it can cause a lot of, you know, you're like, oh, I'm not, I'm not doing I'm not doing it up as well as other people. Oh, look, they have every room in their house is decorated and they've got all their shopping done. Yes. All the pressure. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Beth, I will tell you, I I started the show talking about how I'm having holiday ennui. I'm just not feeling it this year. And I also think part of it is I'm I'm probably watching the wrong movies. Um, I maybe did not let go of Halloween very well and started watching uh, horror holiday movies. And that's not a good blend. I'm just going to say that right now. I'm not making the right choices. And that's that's really the thing is to know that you're, you know, be mindful, I think, of the choices that you're making is what it can come down to, too. Right. Yes, definitely being mindful and noticing things about your feelings. If you're starting to feel depressed and hopeless and, you know, really having dark thoughts, just know that there is help available and, you know, really think about who is your support system. Who's your go-to? You know, the person that you can call or talk to when you're feeling upset or, or down, 
Um, or, you know, there are counselors available. We also have the 988 suicide hotline, prevention hotline, which is available 24-7. So just, just know that there is help available, and you're not alone. You don't have to go through this alone. But we definitely do want to make sure that you are doing positive activities. And that could mean picking up a book, you know, reading something more lighthearted, or it could be a mystery novel, but maybe not something, you know, like horror or you don't want to maybe <laughs> right. watch those, you know, crime yeah. TV shows late at night right, right before you go to bed. Yeah, um, But also too. paying attention to our thoughts, too, and changes in, in our thoughts and, and changes in our appetite or our sleep. Just start noticing the, the clues. <laughs> and I think that another element, of course, at this time of the year is uh, the, what we're consuming, whether it's a lot of food and, of course, alcohol or yes. any sort of, uh, you know, drugs or medicating and things like that, too. Be mindful of that, too. Right. Yes. And I know that sometimes we feel like we are trying to self-medicate to, to maybe numb how we're feeling. And, you know, some people I've, I've heard, you know, them, them say, well, that's the only way I can get through it. But actually, alcohol, we know, is a depressant itself. So it might be one of those temporary Band-Aids. But in the long run, it's going to, to lead you to feeling more depressed and isolated. So practicing, yes, we need to practice some healthy alternatives to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and again, and it could be, you know, we mentioned a few things with exercise and that too, but it, it could really mean maybe you need to go have coffee with a friend or go out to dinner with, with someone that's close to you or start maybe a new hobby around the holidays. Start these new traditions too. Well, I'm so grateful for this conversation and I hope, I, I know that we're helping somebody who's listening and, and perhaps whether it's for themselves or someone that they know in their lives. Uh, and tomorrow, uh, first of all, let me just say that uh, the website, the best website for folks to go to for Illinois, what would you recommend uh, uh, is it AFSP.org? Yes. Great. AFSP.org. And tomorrow there is an event. Are you going to be at this uh, the downtown Hinsdale train station with the Chris Cross Foundation? That's at the metro station at No, 6:30. I actually will not. But, okay. yes, that is going to be at the metro station um, from 6.30 a.m. until 9. And they will there will be people there handing out resources, talking. If, if you have questions or you need, need additional help, there will be people that you can talk to. And we also have resources on that website. And we also offer programming, educational programming, like our Talk Saves Lives workshop. Um, if people are wanting to know, you know, how do I have a conversation with someone who might need additional help or might actually be feeling suicidal? Um, we know this time of the year can definitely be difficult for those who experience loss um, and loss to suicide. So we definitely want to uh, steer people in the right direction to the help that they might need. Well, I'm so grateful for that and for the information and uh, and your conversation with us today. Again, we've been talking to Beth Morrison from the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. You can go to AF, as in Frank, SP, dot org. And we look forward to talking to you again because our mental health is, is so crucial and we need to we need to normalize uh, these conversations every single day. Definitely. I appreciate this so much. And thank you so much for uh, talking about this subject and having me on. <laughs> My pleasure. I'll talk to you again soon. Have a wonderful holiday. Thank you. You too. Thank you. Thank you. Let's uh, take a break Bye. here. Bye-bye. Uh, let's take a break here, and when we come back, we'll take your calls, because I know a couple of you have been on hold for a little bit, and I'm, I'm grateful for your patience. More in a moment on WCPT 820, Heartland Signal. You're listening to WCPT 820, because facts matter. 
I'm Kirk Bankstead from the Monaco Brewing Company, and I sell Choice Hard Seltzer, an all-natural grapefruit and lime-flavored booze that you can enjoy for only 100 calories a can. A percentage of the proceeds of each can sold goes to reproductive rights groups in the Chicagoland area. Enjoy a light, refreshing hard seltzer and support reproductive freedom at the same time. Now available at Provisions Uptown Chicago and R&J Wine and Spirits in Glenview, as well as Eastside Cafe, Coffee and Wine Bar in East Dundee, where Kate is serving up smiles and drink responsibly. Patty Vasquez is taking your calls now at 773-763-9278. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez now on WCPT 820. We do have the phone lines open as we head into the uh, 6 o'clock hour. I want to thank Ken from Chicago for calling back. Hey, Ken, I appreciate your patience. What's on your mind, my friend? Hey, Patty, uh, I feel your pain. I'm actually a, a co-host on the uh, radio show myself, Mohammed Samin, every Sunday morning. Lightning strikes, uh, yes? Yep. Yeah, I, I love uh, the show. Great show. Uh, oh, good. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, a couple of things I want to mention. The uh, 14th Amendment, the third article of the 14th Amendment. Now, you saw in the news, like last week, the Sherpa that was uh, part of January 6th. He's talking about running for Congress. Uh-huh. So, wrong, but isn't he automatically disqualified for that because he was convicted of being an insurrectionist, right? Mm-hmm. So, anyway, I yeah. guess I wanted to bring that. Interesting. But, yeah, well, I mean, because, but, yeah, right, right. But I, I don't know the details of the Supreme Court's decision because Trump, the people who have followed Trump's, you know, his uh, inciting the mob have been convicted, but he has not been convicted on the January anything related to January sixth yet. So he actually was—he actually pleaded guilty and he served time for that. No, but not Trump. I'm just saying, right? Okay, so I mean, he—that's on his record. But regardless, I yeah, it'll be—it'll be interesting. Yeah, thank uh, you for that, Ken. I appreciate it. Yeah, but you. more importantly. That I'm really passionate about is gerrymandering. Okay. Yes. I would love to uh, get involved in a big movement to put something in our legislature to have them bring up things to where they have a nonpartisan agreement to draw these maps so it's not up to the people who are in power because that's basically the bane of our existence right now is. You know, people who are in power, even though they're the minority, they're, they're controlling what happens. So if we can come up with a, uh, a set in legislation, you know, situation yeah. where, you know, this isn't a problem anymore. I mean, literally, I think is what the Democratic versus Republican or right versus left or. <laughs> hey, Ken, uh, I, I, just in case, I'm going to I'm going to just put a, a button in that one. Thanks uh, for that. I'm not sure. I think I got it. Did I get it? <laughs> Let me get. Hey, Jim, Jim in Chicago. Uh, you're not that fired up to use any. Did you? I'm so sorry for Rudy. He's got to get some seasonal work. I've had a couple of tough Christmases, but his has got to be really tough. One hundred fifty million bucks, he got to scrape up. Yep, he could be now. He could do election law at Trump University, but it's closed. Hillsdale might be looking for a professor. And if now I can always do some lawn work down at uh, Mar-a-Lago. Yeah, the other thing is this: is this uh, this uh, 
Colorado thing is interesting because it's going to make Jenny and uh, and and uh, the Supreme Court even as her husband. Jenny, oh, Jenny Thomas, uh, yeah. Yeah, they're gonna oh, be- that's going to make their that's going to make their Christmas absolutely nuts. I hope so. The eggnog, the, the eggnog, <laughs> got to be spiked over there. Well, it's because good. they're going to run to the they're going to run to the Supreme Court with this. Yeah, let me see. Let me see if Jenny Thomas's husband is uh, if Jenny Thomas's lawyer is tweeting out. Mark Paoletta is uh, representation for Jenny Thomas for all things uh, relating to her and and to Tom, Clarence Thomas. Hold on, let's see if well, he's, he's, no, he, no, he's not. Uh, he hasn't posted anything yet. Well, they, so you got to give you got to give him twenty four hours at this. <laughs> because uh, because they're going to run to the Supreme Court with it, but just think of the gymnastics they're going to have to go through to get this guy back on the ballot. Yeah. Well, let's see. I what mean, happens. this is this is their this is their boy. This is their boy. Yep. Well, but really, but one hundred but one hundred fifty million. I've had some tough Christmases, Patty. But one hundred fifty million bucks is uh, a little out of my fraction. Uh, Take care. Take care. Bye bye. Let's take a break here. When we come back, we're going to talk ranked. We're going to talk fair vote, Illinois. Let's talk about a little ranked choice voting. And uh, well, I'm curious to see what they've got to say. David, I'm so sorry. I've got to go to the break because we've got news coming up. I'll try to take a call at the top of the hour before we start the uh, fair vote conversation. Alexa, play WCPT. WCPT from TuneIn. Driving it home. With Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. say hi to our friends in Minneapolis, St. Paul, joining us on KTNF 950 AM. I don't know how I said that, Paul. Why did I say KTNF Minneapolis, St. Paul? Hi, friends. We're so excited you're here. And joining us in studio, we mentioned a little bit earlier about uh, ranked choice voting. Joining us from Fair Vote, Illinois, is Rebecca Williams and Larry Garfield. And I welcome both of you now together. I've interviewed both of you, and I'm thrilled to have you back. Uh, it's been a, a, only a few months since I've talked to you guys. We're heading into 2024, and I think there are more conversations about ranked choice voting, which is, it's important. And I, I really see it as the best way right now to help people feel less cynical about their vote, to uh, encourage more people to run for office, better people, not better people, I mean, more people with different backgrounds, maybe they aren't wealthy, uh, just a lot of different issues. So let me let me start with you, Rebecca. What, what, do you, what are your thoughts going into 2024 of where we stand with ranked choice voting? I am so excited about our prospects for ranked choice voting for 2024, both at a local and a national level. So locally, we we did a lot of work to expand this year and just kind of make it easier for our volunteers to get more engaged, and we're going to do more of that next year. We've also, um, in terms of kind of concrete actions, we're going to have a lot of focus on Evanston in terms of making sure the implementation for 2025 goes really smoothly and that everyone from candidates to voters are well educated on the change of getting to use ranked choice voting for the first time. And we're also going to be working to get Naperville, um, to get RCV on the ballot for Naperville for 2025. So those are some big things we're focused on. And then on the national level, uh, we could see ranked choice voting on up to five state ballots. Wow. We know it's going to be on two, potentially up to five. So it's it's looking really exciting and promising. And, and what is that? I mean, Larry, do you, I don't know if you have more to add as what, what you're thinking about 
about with ranked choice voting going into 2024? I think the momentum is definitely uh, pushing towards ranked choice voting. People are talking about it. People are more aware of it. Uh, in the last election, I believe there were six, seven uh places where ranked choice voting was on the ballot around the country in some way, and all of them passed. Really? Yeah. All of them went uh, in favor of RCV. Interesting. And you're talking about the November 2022 uh, election? No. Um, just recently, there were some others on the ballot since Evanston. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Nationally. Yeah. Nationally. Excellent. So it's you know, cities great. around the country. Um, I think there were one or two where people are had put forward a referendum to repeal RCV, and the voters voted to keep it because they like it. What was the? How long had it, had it been in those places that they wanted to already? Re- I'm guessing Alaska. I'm guessing they're. Uh, that, that wasn't one of them. No. No. It was. Uh, it was Minnetonka. Uh-huh. So that was that was a pretty quick repeal effort. So I, I believe it was 2020. They voted yes, we want it. 2021, they used it first for the first time, and then there was a repeal effort on this most recent ballot, but that uh, failed spectacularly. Excellent. So it just it just goes to prove what the data shows again and again, which is that when people use RCV, they like it and they want to keep using it, even if there's an actual opportunity for them to not use it anymore. They sure. say to get no. rid of it. Well, yeah. I just like that they were like, "Yes, we want it." Are you sure? Like basically, people <laughs> came back with, "Are you sure you want it?" Yeah. yeah, we're good. We're totally good. And, and, you, and uh, a lot of this, you know, uh, is about educating mm-hmm. voters and and making sure they know that it's available on the ballot. What kind of conversations are you having, Larry, with folks when you are explaining it? I, I know I know it's, you have to do this over and over again, uh, and I'm sure you find different ways to, to illustrate it. So the argument I usually give, well, it depends who I'm talking to. Okay. If I'm talking to... Okay, let me give you an argument. Okay. Yeah, it's too confusing. I'm not, how am I supposed to figure this out? I, I know who I want to vote for. I don't want to have to like pick and choose. Like what? I just want the one person. Okay. Can I still vote for just one person? If you want to, sure. But if you'd like to vote for someone who is not otherwise popular, right now, that means you're probably going to help the person who you'd like least win. With ranked choice voting, you vote for the person you want first. Whoever that is, it doesn't matter. And then you can vote for someone more popular that you're kind of okay with, you know, lukewarm with, for second. And that's fine. You are not hurting your preferred candidate, and you're not helping the candidate you hate most. Oh, I think that's a good one to, to give people. You're not helping mm-hmm. the candidate you hate most. <gasps> we need to say that everywhere. Do you, whoever it is you hate, I'm not saying any names. Whoever you hate most, you're not helping them by voting for the people by using ranked choice voting. Because yeah, go ahead. And you know, ranked choice voting. It's all about prov- providing a richer, more complete as a view of the will of the voter. Right. You know, it's saying not just. Who is the one person you're willing to get behind? But what's your genuine preference? What's your next genuine preference? How do you truly feel about these candidates? And, you know, that gives us even, you know, even if we still elect someone who's a traditional type of candidate, we still have a better picture of, oh, there were 30 percent of the population who really would have preferred this other person. They got their second choice instead. But we now know, oh, that. You know, libertarian candidate, forward candidate, green candidate. Yes. There's actually appeal there. Right now, that vote is getting suppressed by the way we vote now. 
ranked choice voting lets us see what the genuine support is, which could be high, could be low. We just don't know right now. Are, are more third, now, it's not really third party anymore. We have third, fourth, and fifth party mm-hmm. candidates. And I mean, uh, uh, we just say third party because they're not Democrats and they're not Republicans. Uh, is, this, is this argument resonating with those groups more? Because we see that going into 2024. And a lot of people worry, you know, some people will argue you should mm-hmm. not vote for a third party candidate because it helps the guy we all hate the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, who wants to... Both the Green Party of Illinois and the Libertarian Party of Illinois have come out in favor of ranked choice voting. It's about the only thing that the Greens and Libertarians agree on <laughs> is ranked choice incredible. voting. Yeah. Oh, my God. So and I wanna, the I forward be party is also founded on that principle. So What was? The forward party was the also, forward. you know, it came out of Andrew Yang. It's very much into ranked choice voting. Oh, that's why I don't know what it is. Okay. <laughs> I didn't, yeah, I wasn't familiar. Go ahead, Rebecca. Yeah, we were seeing support for, uh, as well as, um, I, I wouldn't, necessarily a support from the Miss Universal, but even like DSA, um, we get support. Yeah, Yeah. we get support from pretty much all the third parties that we've engaged with um, because they recognize that this is a system that is certainly not going to guarantee them wins. It's not going to guarantee them support. But what it will do is it will allow the public, as Larry was saying, to really show their true support. If someone truly prefers the Green Party or Libertarian or Socialist or whatever candidate first, they can put that and then they can put their second choice. And it also, I think, would be good for the organizations, whether it's the DNC, the RNC, the G, whatever, to ha- focus on you know where their vulnerabilities are and build up their strengths. You know, because we often talk about like where these these uh, committees and organizations like they're ignoring Montana. This is the other thing is that they ignore Montana, or they because they figure they write it off as it's the other party is going to win that state or whatever. You know, Illinois is written off by Republicans, and there are plenty of people. Look, regardless, there are a lot of Republicans in the state who feel like their vote doesn't count because there's a supermajority in our General Assembly and every higher office is held by a Democrat. This really is a, an ability to have your voice heard. Mm-hmm. Another advantage, I mean, we talk about you know third parties uh, lacking ranked choice voting for obvious reasons. I've talked to some local uh, parties, like the local Democratic parties, where they're interested in it because you know they have a problem with too many people running uh, as Democrats and splitting the vote. And they're like, okay, you're not going to win, so please don't run because you're just going to end up splitting votes off this other person. And they hate having that conversation. That's a terrible conversation to have. No one loves that. With ranked choice voting, we got 20 Democrats running. Cool. That doesn't hurt anything. I really hated that. Because I I was told that when I ran for office, people told me to drop out because I was I was considered to be the person in the middle. Like Mm -hmm. they felt that there was one more conservative Democrat, that there was a Democrat farther to the left. Although I don't agree with that, but that's neither here nor there. Um, But, yeah, I mean, uh, people came up to me all the time or at doorbells. They would tell me, like, I really wish you would drop out of this race. I mean, like, what a horrible thing for democracy. Exactly. I consider myself to have been a good candidate. I know there are good people out there that want to run. Uh, are, are there places, Rebecca, where in, in the world, I mean, we've talked about in the American system, you know, states and, and municipalities that have incorporated range choice voting. Do we know if there are places where this is very successful in other countries? I don't know if it helps anybody's argument because you have a lot of people like, well, this is America <laughs> kind of a thing. Absolutely. So when people ask us, is this being used in other areas, we generally reference Ireland and Australia, ah, okay. where they've been using it for the majority majority 
of their elections for over a century. And it works great for them. The people love it. Uh, How did I not know they had ranked shares voting in Ireland and Australia? Yeah, well, you know, we're America. We don't pay attention to other elections. (laughs) Americans love the Irish and Australia. They love the accents. That's what you need are spokespeople from Ireland and Australia to tell us how to do it. You know, what about. We actually have an Irishman on our team. Yeah, we need him in studio to tell us. He has a wonderful accent. Absolutely. Yes. Wonderful radio voice. Um, but I, I was going to say, just speaking to kind of what we're saying about uh, people being told not to run because there's going to be too many. They're going to split the vote, whatever. Yep. Um, you know, in the business world, we recognize that monopolies or even duopolies would be a really bad thing because competition drives innovation. Competition introduces new ideas. It introduces better ways of doing things. Uh, we we recognize the value of that, and so we work very hard to make sure there's still competition allowed in the business world. And yet, with our politics, it seems as if, with the current state of things, we're doing everything we can to suppress that. Yeah. And I think that is a big part of why we are so dissatisfied with the state of our politics, even if our preferred party is in power. Because even if our preferred party is in power, we still, there was so little competition of ideas allowed. Yeah. So little competition of, you know, new blood coming in and everything. And that's that's what drives us apathy. That's what drives us cynicism. And that's why we really think that fixing politics starts with ranked choice voting. I agree. Let's continue our conversation in a moment. We're hanging out with Rebecca Williams and Larry Garfield of Fair Vote Illinois. Go to fairvoteillinois.org. Call your electeds and tell them that you want to see a fair vote Illinois and rake choice voting make some progress in, the, in 2024. Let's take a break here. If you have any questions for our guests, I'm going I'm to open up the phone line. 773-763-9278. What are your thoughts or questions about ranked choice voting? 773-763-9278. More in a moment on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal and KTNF 950 AM in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Chicago's Progressive Talk, WCPT 820, where facts matter. Hi, folks. I'm Kirk Bankstead from the Monaco Brewing Company, and I sell progressive beer, like Biden beer, which is inoffensive and not bitter, and Extinct Elephant, a moderate red ale. Because you know those moderate Republicans seem to be going the way of the dodo. A percentage of the proceeds of each can sold goes to keep Wisconsin blue and drive the MAGA cult out of our state. Enjoy a great craft beer and help your dysfunctional neighbor to the north get its democracy back. To keep track of the good trouble we're making in Wisconsin and where to buy our beer, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and our website, MonacoBrewingCompany.com. And drink responsibly. Patty Vasquez is taking your calls now at 773-763-9278. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez now on WCPT 820. We are talking ranked choice voting. One of the things that has uh, made me a little bit crazy uh, for, I would say, about 20 years is the apathy that so many Americans have when it comes to our political system. And I get it. You can be angry about politics, uh, but but here's the thing. Ultimately, it's how we are governed. Um, no matter how much you hate it, it's still part of our citizen 
citizenry. It's, it's part of our obligation, not just to ourselves and our families, but to our future. And there's a lot at stake. And I really do believe in ranked choice voting, perhaps as a, as a, a one pathway to alleviate that apathy, that cynicism. And uh, 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 Rebecca Williams and uh, and Larry Garfield from Ranked Choice Voting, from uh, Fair Vote Illinois, uh, to discuss Ranked Choice Voting are in studio. Um, you mentioned, uh, let me just go back to Ireland for a minute, and Australia. Uh, are they, uh, they, I mean, I guess mo- most of them don't, they don't know any different. I mean, you'd have to like, everyone, if it's been 100 years since they've uh, implemented, used Ranked Choice Voting, they wouldn't really have anything to compare it to, whereas we will if we are able, if we're successful, right? So how enthusiastic are they about converting Americans? I mean, it sounds horrible to say that it's like religion or something, but well, it kind of feels like it. I don't know that the average person in Dublin cares how the Americans vote. <laughs> Fair. But, you know, they, they've got their do system. They think it's it stupid? They probably, what do you, what? I'm not going to do a fake accent. That's terrible. But do they, do they think, it's, I would imagine if I was, you know, I would think that was stupid to like, because it's part of why we're, I think, in such a bad position when it comes to politics. I'll be honest. The last time I was in Ireland was before I got involved in fair vote, so mm-hmm. I didn't think to ask anyone. All right, I will. I will get a hold of not just your person. You, you can bring them in the studio, but I, I know some folks in Ireland, so now I need to know more. Uh, the other thing is, you were mentioning. Uh, we know that in Evanston, they're going to have it for the first time. You're, you've been talking about making sure that voters know that this is a change on their ballot. Uh, but tell us a little bit about a recent piece by Mayor Biss and some uh, the the uh, polling numbers. Yeah, so Cranes Chicago did uh, some great pieces just yesterday that were all published um, that people can see on ranked choice voting, just kind of giving a lot of information. And Mayor Biss has been a wonderful champion of ranked choice voting. He was when we had our campaign, and he has been great about making sure implementation is on track and and just you know, that that's going to go smoothly for his city, especially considering over 82% of people voted for it. And he was just, in that opinion piece, he was just speaking to the reasons why he's so behind it. Um, what were some of the reasons he gave? Yeah, some of what he mentioned was that it, it really reduces that polarization of candidates. Um, so, which is not to say you're just always going to get Moderates. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, in some places you might get moderates, but if you truly are in a more progressive community, you're, you're going to get more progressive candidates, but they're going to be people who, again, are more likely to be able to work with each other and, and truly make good change for the community. As somebody, uh, as Mayor Biss has endorsed people, he has endorsed people who went with to the extremes with negative campaigning. Did he mention that at all? I don't. I don't remember huh, if he said surprising. anything about negative campaigning in the article. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, you know, the main thing you're talking about, and I agree with him entirely on this. Um, under the current system, a successful campaign is one that is dirty, is one that. Yes, which he has, you know, like I said, down, which he has endorsed. Yes, so that's interesting that he's, he's uh, written about this. Well, I mean, like anyone else, you work with the system you have. Yeah. Yes. And Right now, you know, we have a system that favors two major parties and dirty campaigns. Mm-hmm. If you want to get elected in the current system, you need to be in one of those two parties and then be willing to throw elbows. That's yeah. how the system works. And that's the problem. Mm-hmm. If we change the system, then we end up having the system favor people who want to reach out, who want to collaborate, who are willing to say, OK, I don't agree with you on everything, but I agree with you on some things. So let's work on those things, which means we'll elect people who campaign that way. Right. 
who are probably going to govern that way. So we'll be electing, ideally, people who are, regardless of their politics, more willing to talk, more willing to compromise, more willing to collaborate, right. which we desperately need up and down the ballots and across the aisle and every other direction. Exactly. And, uh, and, and so, it's, so I think that uh, is, there, is there studies on like how people are thinking? I know that it's still in its sort of infancy as far as you know, letting people know and, and getting the word out there. But are we seeing any studies on, on what people's reaction has been as far as just even being familiar with uh, ranked choice voting? So when it comes to the places that have implemented it, uh-huh. this um, the polling is pretty clear across the board. People think it's simple to use. They like it. They want to keep using it. That's what we find um, where they're using it. But uh, one of the things we saw in the Crane's uh, pieces that came out yesterday is there was a Harris poll that was done on um, just kind of knowledge and favorability of ranked choice voting across Cook County in Chicago. Oh, great. And um, there were there were several things they referenced, but one of the ones that stands out to me is in terms of kind of people being favorable of it. I think it was something like 33 or 34% of people were favorable, 24% were opposed, and then 30-something were neutral. Uh, so I okay. see that, and I think... Okay, that's great that so many people are favorable so far. And for the neutral, that doesn't surprise me because we know we have a lot of work to do still to educate people on this. If I was asked about some new voting reform that I didn't know anything about, I'd say, I don't know. Uh, sure. So I, you know, I presume that was probably the case for a lot of people polled and. That means we still have work to do. I wonder... Oh, go ahead, Larry. And it, it's totally fair for people to be skeptical about changes to the election system they don't understand. Um, I mean, we've certainly seen there are groups in the country trying to s- screw with the voting system in various ways. So, you know, caution is a good thing, which means we need to get the word out. We need to educate people. And the best way to do that is word of mouth. You know, yeah. person to person is how people come to their conclusions. So to all of your listeners out there who like ranked choice voting, talk to your friends, talk to your family, talk to your neighbors, you know, tell them why you like it. And just the more one on one conversations we can have, we as a the whole ranked choice voting supporting community, the stronger a case we can make for it and the more likely it is to happen. And if you're if you either like it or are still wondering uh, what you can do or what this is all about, you can go to fairvoteillinois.org. That's fair vote illinois.org and are there like toolkits for folks? I mean like you get stickers for folks and pencils so we can, like so they can hand it out to their friends that's what I would do I'd be like here's here's some swag <laughs> I mean that's how people campaign right yeah is with lit and uh, your tote bags and things like that I mean because I know that folks were at the uh, farmers the Jefferson Park oh I don't have it up the Jefferson Park Sunday Market uh, this summer and it was great to meet meet them I know that they got a lot of folks signed up on the uh, on the list to learn more and that's a big part of it too we do have a swag store. Excellent. Yeah, get some swag, <laughs> yeah, folks. In yeah. better weather, I'm always wearing my RCV uh, ball cap. Oh, I will get one of those. So those are, those are available for purchase on yeah. online. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Sometimes when we uh, when we are tabling at markets or other events, we'll have stickers or things like that that people can grab. Can you guys sponsor a tent at a market? I, I'm doing a little business now because I, I'm trying to get a, a kids' tent together for our. Do, do you guys, is it just more of a uh, volunteer tent? 
Uh, we we could theoretically do something like that. It would depend on how much it costs us. We're still a small nonprofit. I can so, make yeah, it cheap, but, and uh, we, yeah. I think we can have a mutually beneficial relationship. Nice. Which maybe you can build for other places. What I want is a, a kids' tent. You know, where there's like it, whether it's face painting or balloon artist or just something where you know, because our most successful uh, markets have been like when it's uh, Halloween for trick or treating, and the, the kids know that they're getting. You know, where parents know they're gonna, their kids will have fun. There's a playground. So I mean, and again, it's great to have kids involved, and, and maybe they'll have questions about like what's this fair vote thing, you know? Because the reason I struggle with the apathy and cynicism is like I have always found voting to be exciting. My dad was a precinct captain, so I used to go door knocking with him when I was six. Not every kid's going to have that experience. Yeah, <laughs> you know I mean, I mean, some face a little RCV, uh, you know, face painting. I'm just saying, I'm just I'm just spitballing <laughs> on the air. I'm putting you on the spot, is what I'm doing. <laughs> Let me take a break here. We're hanging out with our friends Rebecca Williams and Larry Garfield of Fair Vote Illinois. If you have any questions for our guests, talk, we're talking about ranked choice voting, 773-763-9278. That's the number to call or text to uh, join our conversation at any time, 773-763-9278. More when we come back on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal and KTNF 950 AM in Minneapolis-St. Paul. Because facts matter. You're listening to WCPT 820. Hey there, it's your guy, Warren Price from European and U.S. Collision Repair, a division of Technicraft Body Shops. We specialize in automobile and truck repair as well as normal automobile maintenance. With our highly skilled technicians and environmentally friendly materials, we strive for quality. Call 773-248-1200. That's 773-248-1200 or europeanus.com. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez. In your communities in Chicago. On WCPT 820. Hey everybody, we're listening to Driving It Home with me, Patty Vasquez. We're here till 7 and hang out in the studio with us. Our Rebecca Williams and Larry Garfield of Fair Vote Illinois. You can go to fairvoteillinois.org to learn more information. And before we talk a little bit about, uh, you know, like the people that this can, it can help everyone. But there are folks who can benefit um, more directly. Uh, and, and I am trying to find a way to not make this political because there are things going on in other states where things have changed. The, uh, you know, things that we had, I grew up with uh, feeling as though I had complete rights are being whittled away in other states, and that's the best way I can put that. Um, and there's a lot of gerrymandering going on across the states. Uh, we know that there are places where people have been disenfranchised. Are, is there is there are there inroads? And look, we're a gerrymandered state in Illinois. It just is a, a, a you know it depends on who's in power. Sometimes can ranked choice voting have an impact on gerrymandering? That's I I don't think I've ever even thought about asking you guys that. So ranked choice voting doesn't change gerrymandering itself directly. Uh-huh. What it does is, so there's a dynamic right now <clears throat> that we see in liberal districts and conservative districts, we've seen it a lot, where it's a single party district, so someone has a seat for life. When they retire, four, five, six people jump in in the primary. And there's six candidates, someone wins with 24% of the vote. They go to the general, obviously get elected because it's a single-party district, and then they've got the job for life. Having been elected by 24% of the people of their own party who happen to vote in the primary, which is like 3% of the population. Yeah. yeah. Ranked choice voting 
doesn't help the fact that it, you know the district is single party, but it means that primary becomes a real election, and whoever comes out uh, victorious there actually has a support of the majority of at least that party voting in the, Absolutely. the primary. So it helps yeah. some. Yeah. Gerrymandering is a, a whole other problem it on its own. It can make some inroads it, at least. Yeah, it, it ameliorates it a little. And for, for women and people of color, uh, Rebecca, we were talking off the air about how this might have an impact on their voting ability or representation. Tell us a little bit about that. Absolutely. So uh, for what we see with ranked choice voting is it's not that it was designed this way or anything, but uh, we tend to get a lot more uh, women and candidates of color elected when uh, we have ranked choice voting races. And uh, we theorize that a big part of this is because voters are voting their true preference. So, as we said, you know, there's all this strategic voting that goes on right now. There's this um, this calculus of, well, can I really like this person, but can they win? Can they beat this person who I hate? <laughs> you know, sure. um, yeah. whereas uh, now with ranked choice voting, you're freed up to say, OK, this person had great ideas and I don't care that this is the first time they're running or I don't care that they don't seem to have as much money. I'm still going to vote for them. And well, it seems like that's actually getting more women and candidates of color in office. So. And it also, I think, helps getting them on the ballot in the first place. Yeah. Because, as we talked about before, currently there's a, you know the concern about vote splitting, and especially within the party, like, no, you, you don't, you're not supposed to run yet, this other person is their turn. And so a lot of people will just choose not to run because they don't want to be the vote splitter. With ranked choice voting, you can't hurt the candidates similar to you. So if you want to run, go ahead and run. Yeah. So you don't need to say, you know, we're only allowed to have one black candidate so that they don't split the vote. Oh my it, that, that, that just goes <laughs> away. That's a stupid that's, attitude. That's why the cop ran in our race, because he saw there were two women. He was like, oh, I can. And, then, and that's why I, people, I was running against an appointed incumbent. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, well, you got to get out of the race now. It's two women and the cop's going to win. It's, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that that Everyone, whole mentality. Cool your heels. Yeah. That cool whole mentality is just not good. Yeah, really? But with ranked choice voting, you know. I'm fine. Oh, there's three people running. There's four people running. Totally fine. Cool, doesn't matter. Yeah, I love having $750,000 spent against me and weaponizing my trauma as a rape survivor. Really good times. Politics uh, is nasty. This is a problem. Well, <laughs> yeah. and, and if I can just speak to that, too, in, in terms of women in particular, we know that politics is nasty and it can get particularly nasty against women. Mm-hmm. And that keeps a lot of women from even running. Um, but well, so that to that, when yeah. the mailers came out, five mailers weaponizing my trauma as a rape survivor, a woman told me that she was brutally raped when she was 17 years old and she had thought about running for office and she says she will never run for office because of what happened to me. So yeah. I just want to make this very clear to anybody who puts these things out there because I will, I will not cease my going after people who participated in it fundamentally, financially, in whatever way. So, yeah, it does do that. Yeah, it's terrible what we see in some of these races, you know, from the very local level all the way up to national. And I'm not I'm certainly not going to guarantee that if we have ranked choice voting in place at any level that that's going to stop. But what I will say is it is not as good of a it's not as good of a tactic right. to use with ranked choice voting because if you are participating in nasty campaigning you are standing a real risk of alienating a lot of voters 
uh, just making it so they don't they don't vote for you at all, even if maybe you shared some similar ideas with that candidate. And what's really sad is sometimes we will see similar candidates attacking each other, right? Because <laughs> you only you only have one vote, so it doesn't matter if maybe you would agree with them. You yep. you would both you know govern similarly. You're trying to get that well, one that, vote, and that's something I'll I'll be proud of for the rest of my life is that we didn't resort to like in no in no way in in nothing, and so I, I and I do think it is you know there is something to be said for you were talking about how even if that person who maybe doesn't have a lot of money even if they don't win and that you see that they've got some pretty strong numbers in ranked choice voting you know having people go oh here's somebody who is an up and comer or someone we should pay attention to someone we should recruit for something else and strengthen whatever vision we have of our path forward and it means that someone who runs once and gets 20% of the vote okay they don't win but the power brokers notice, oh, this person, first time out of the gate with only $10,000 in campaign money, pulled 20% of the vote. What could they do with... Or, or 37% of the vote. But go ahead, continue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In a three-way race! Right. You know, what, what could they do with better support? What could they do, you know, with... Uh, you know, more people behind them. What is it about them that got them a full 20% support? Absolutely. You know, ranked choice voting lets us ask these questions. What we're saying is it doesn't drive as many people out of the process, yeah. too, out of the conversations, out of the representation uh, and having and, and with them come the voices that, you know, are, are screaming for the, to be heard. Mm -hmm. Really? That's I mean, is that what people say a lot is I, I, I feel like I'm not being heard. That's what you hear all the time from voters. I feel like they're not listening to me. Uh, and that's a, that's a different conversation altogether, which is holding your electeds accountable mm -hmm. instead of every two or four years. Right. That's yeah. <laughs> well, and it's it's easy to not feel like you're being heard when you don't feel like you really have a true choice. You, if you can't actually say who your truest preference is, right? Then of of course you can't be heard. You're not being heard. Um, and the other thing that this can really help in terms of seeing more diversity of candidates running and just making it easier for more people to run is particularly in a place like Chicago where we have the runoff system. Um, that that uncertainty can make it really, really difficult for newer candidates, for lesser funded candidates. Yeah. You don't know how long your campaign cycle is going to be. Ugh, so is point. your campaign going to be over in February or are you going to have to be raising money and campaigning until April? You don't know. And if you're someone who has lesser funding, less resources, and you make it to that runoff, but then... And you're a great candidate and you have great ideas and people were really liking you, but you just can't raise that money for the rest of that time. That's really difficult. So this uh, so, you know, if we can get it adopted in Chicago, it takes the ambiguity out of it. Everyone knows what they're working with. Everyone can, you know, budget properly. Yeah, you're done. It's, funds it's properly. one race. Yeah. yeah. Because, yeah, having two rates. And it's a different dynamic. Now you're going head to head with somebody. Mm -hmm. And if they're connected, if they have institutional, you know, all the whatever that might be, special interests, uh, it, 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 it cuts through that, I think, in a better way. Yeah. And we don't need to have a, Feb, a February election. <laughs> we can just have April when it's warmer. <laughs> I, well, and this comes back to what I, I think is one of the biggest obstacles, which is the people that would implement, have to vote on this, are self 
preservationists, right? I mean, they vote for their own raises. They don't necessarily vote for term limits or things like ranked choice voting. So how do we make an impact? Uh, I know that we have some electeds. I know Camp Buckner, Representative Camp Buckner is a big uh, champion of this. I know at the city level, there are several older people. How, how do we make, uh, how do we uh, reach farther into the elected pool? I think we actually have a great opportunity for that right now in mm-hmm. Chicago because so many members of the city council are new and were elected in races with 15 people running. Okay. It was ridiculous. So they've seen, oh, that campaigning model sucks. I <laughs> sure. hated that. Yeah. Oh, there's a way that I can budget better. There's a way that I can run and not be splitting the vote. There's a way I can run and... Um, actually reach out to people rather than fighting the people closest to me, I'm in. So there's a really good argument to be made right now in Chicago for ranked choice voting with elected officials. And are you getting more folks on board? I mean, I don't, can we name any any folks that have jumped on the ranked choice voting bandwagon? Um, are you referring to elected officials or partners? or Yeah, um, elected officials. Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, Matt Martin is yes. big supporter. Um uh, Lenny Monahoppenworth has said she's really supportive of it. Um, Andre Vasquez, uh, trying to think of others Excellent. off the That's top of my start. head, but I mean, yeah, we've we've got a lot. Uh, we still, you know, we haven't necessarily been talking to them a lot recently because it's uh, you know we've got a lot of runway before. It, we would actually be trying to get it on the ballot, but that's what are we aiming for? Uh, hopefully, uh, in 2026, okay. if we could get it on the ballot in 2026 okay. and then um, implement it in 2027. But yeah, and that's, that's kind of the nice thing too is in Chicago, the it's not as if the elected officials would have to be saying we're going to do ranked choice voting, they're giving voters the option, right? So it's like do you want to allow the citizens to say whether they want this reform? And I think that's really great. Um, I wish we could do that at the state level. We can't. What's the deal at the state level? It's going to be legislated? Yeah, yeah. We, we don't have um, a really a statewide ballot initiative option, um, so it's got to go through the legislature. I, I think we, we have to do a thing where, like, would you like this? Because I, I remember when, uh, the first time I ever realized the oddness of uh, the way we vote in Illinois was on the ballot when Rauner was running for governor, there was also a question, should uh, should million, should there be a millionaire tax? And the millionaire tax won overwhelmingly by the same uh, number that uh, Governor Rauner got. He got 72% of the vote, and uh, uh, the millionaire tax got 72% of the vote, but it has to be legislated. It wasn't like a, a yeah, binding. It was non-binding. Yeah, non-binding. Yeah. And that didn't pass. So it was just, it was just, I was like, wait a minute, what? What, mm-hmm. what just happened? And also, how do we vote for that and elect a billionaire? Like, that guy was never going to pass that. I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, yeah. political, but still. Kind of. But just, well, I'm just showing the, the oddness of it. I think it. that goes to the point yeah. that there's a long list of problems in our political system. Yeah. We need to fix all of them. And part of the solution is? Ranked choice voting. Yes. It's one piece of that puzzle. Yes. Let's take a quick break here, and uh, we'll wind it up with uh, our friends Rebecca Williams and Larry Garfield from from Fair Vote Illinois. Go to fairvoteillinois.org to learn more about ranked choice voting and what you can do to make it happen in Illinois. More in a moment on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal, KTNF 950 AM in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Hey, Google, play WCPT. Streaming Chicago's progressive talk from TuneIn. 
Hi, this is Kirk Bankstead from the Minocqua Brewing Company, and I sell Choice Hard Seltzer, an all-natural grapefruit-flavored booze that you can enjoy for only 100 calories a can. A percentage of the proceeds of every can of Choice Hard Seltzer you buy goes to reproductive rights organizations in the Chicagoland area. Enjoy a light, refreshing hard seltzer this summer and support reproductive freedom at the same time. Now available at Dino's Cardinal Liquors in Gurney, Illinois, and Sugar Beet Food Co-op in Oak Park, as well as in Chicago at Jarvis Square Tavern, Rogers Park, and Garfield's Beverage Express Wicker Park. Please drink responsibly. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. Just asking my guests, Larry Garfield and Rebecca Williams from Fair Vote, Illinois, about their holiday plans. And for everybody else who maybe maybe you sit around the table and you're comfortable talking about ranked choice voting, I mean, here's a good time. You're gathered with a bunch of people. So, Larry, should we, in the middle of a conversation, how do we empower ourselves to feel able to articulate what ranked choice voting is. How do you, how do we explain it to somebody over the dinner table or at the grocery store or on the, I, I, I don't bother people on your train. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, ranked choice voting, when you explain it, can be very simple. Rebecca, do you want to? Oh, Rebecca. Oh, yeah. Uh, I know sure. All right. <laughs> Rebecca, you're up. Yeah. So with ranked choice voting, it's about giving voters more voice and more choice and ensuring that whatever candidate is elected has majority support. So with ranked choice voting, when you vote, you just rank your candidates. So first, second, third, uh, if you so choose, you also have the option to just put one, but most people are going to want to rank multiple. And then uh, where that might go into play is if no candidate gets the majority in the first round of voting. So sometimes you have someone popular, they get over 50% in the first round, and that's great. They win. And you're done. It's normal. Yeah. Um, but if no one does that, then what will happen is we eliminate the candidate in last place because there's no way they can win. And we would re- redistribute all those votes, the second choice of those voters. Right. Then we look at it. Does someone have a majority now? If no one does, we just repeat that process until we get to that majority support. So you can really see that working uh, in something like the Chicago mayoral race when we've got nine, you know, nine candidates or even, you know, four presidential candidates when maybe we've got five with the third parties that are in place and maybe you have a substantial third party candidate um, seeing where that actual support is. Excellent. And uh, and so, okay, so we're having this conversation, and uh, now the arguments are going to come. Well, you know, I've been, doing it the, I've been doing it the same way. Why do we got to change it? It's, it's, worked, it's worked for 200 years or whatever. Has it worked? Look at the state of the country. <laughs> Look at the state of our politics. I've, okay, I, yeah, I will say I've seen um, some... Some groups trying to say ranked choice voting is a solution in search of a problem. And every time I see that tagline, I have to laugh because I say, wait, do you not see any problems with the current state of our politics? Trust in government is historically low. Approval ratings for our elected officials are super low. There's there's so much voter apathy. There's so much cynicism. There's 
you know, there's vote splitting. There's yeah. uh, <laughs> there's spoiler candidates. There's there's so many problems. And so whenever I hear that, I'm like, what do you mean? It's right. in search of a problem. Are you paying attention? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Excellent. I, that, those are excellent, excellent uh, counterpoints, I think, to, to that. OK, so for people who say it's you're looking for it's a, an answer in search of a problem. Uh, it's been working. What are the, some of the other arguments that people give you? Some people will argue that it's too complicated. People won't understand it. Uh-huh. The evidence says they, they understand it just fine. Everywhere that has adopted ranked choice voting, the polls have very clearly shown people understand it. They like it. They want to use it again. Ninety-five percent of New Yorkers you know, in their mayoral election said they, uh, they understood ranked choice voting. They're happy with using it again. If New Yorkers can understand it, I'm sure Chicagoans can, too. A little what? bit of hometown pride here. I, I, I think for me, everyone has to have their own way of arriving to understanding. I saw someone do like an ice cream thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like, what's your favorite flavor if you can't? But for me, like, let's say you like you know what your favorite ice cream is. At, I think the better way is what you said is that, you, you know, you, it's not helping the person that you hate the most. It's not helping the flavor that you hate the most. Like what? <laughs> and I don't know what that is for some. Apparently, people have a thing against mint chip, but I hate disparaging it. But let's say you hate mint chip and you're at the ice cream shop and you you, you know what you love. Let's say you want, uh, you know, chocolate fudge and they're like, no, you're going to have mint chip. Like they're forcing you to have mint chip because yours is out. They don't have it. Now you have to have mint chip because everybody else ate. I don't know. I don't know. Well, it would kind of be like if it was vanilla or mint chip. Right. And you didn't really like vanilla, but you're like, I don't want to have to go with mint chip. And if I don't say that I want vanilla, like I'm going to have to go with that one. And so with this, you could say, I really want chocolate fudge. And if I can't get chocolate fudge, and sure, I'll go with vanilla next. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of how that would work in that. But in analogy. my scenario, they're force feeding you mint chip. <laughs> no, seriously. They're force feeding you mint. I think we need to be more dramatic about this. <laughs> they're making you eat the thing. You- because ultimately, that's what happens, is it? You know, the thing that you don't want the most. Mm-hmm. And it does inf- impact our lives every single day. Uh, and this is important. And that's why I, I do think we need to, to learn more about this. I still can't believe I didn't know that Ireland and Australia have been doing this. <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I say that because, you know, we talk about gun. OK, I can't, shouldn't talk about those things. But anyway, we talk about elements. In our, we talk about, let's just, I'll just say for me, not you guys involved in this. But, you know, we talk about gun violence in this country and nothing can be done about it. And Australia found a way when they had a horrific instance of gun violence to eliminate gun violence in Australia. I'm just saying that's not for you. But uh, and, and Ireland, where you never would have thought that they would make abortion legal, they have made abortion legal. And I did not know. I think I do now how that happened. And I believe it had to do with ranked choice voting. So that's my two cents. And regardless of how you want to address that question, we're not going to get into. Yes. Having people in office who are used to collaborating and talking and you know, being willing to compromise is how we do something. You know, right now we've got, you know, I won't even talk to you about this issue. And that doesn't help anybody. If we can actually, you know, elect officials who are willing to talk, willing to collaborate, willing to work together and find solutions that maybe not everyone loves, but at least most people are OK with. Right. That's how we get things done, step by step. That's how democracy works. What do you say to somebody who is angry that uh, ranked choice voting made Sarah Palin lose? It didn't. <laughs> it gave it to the Democrats, Larry. The Democrat in that race won, uh, came in first place in the first round. 
under their old voting system, she would still have won. Yes. Okay. The now, okay. What most people are angry about with the change in the system and what they could actually argue made Sarah Palin lose is the fact that they uh, went to blanket primaries and a final four system, uh, which. I pr- Which actually gave her a fighting chance. Well, it, it gave her a fighting chance. It, it gave but. the voters more choice. Um, so, y- you know, you might say if it was a straight Republican versus Democrat, Mary Poltola may have still won. Maybe she would have. I don't know. But uh, the fact that there was more competition, I think that was really good for voters. And that, that you know, that gave them more choice. Um but that's a totally different type of reform than what we're working on here. Excellent conversation. Larry Garfield and Rebecca Williams. Uh, I know there's a, the, the website is fairvoteillinois.org. We're out of time, so you have to come back in a few weeks because you have events coming oh, up in January. So we come back in January, and sure. let's kick off Absolutely. the new year talking about ranked choice voting. Fairvoteillinois.org. Thank you both so much. I appreciate your time and your insight and, and educating us, it, mostly mostly me. I hope everybody else benefited as well. Uh, Lady B. Thank you so much, my friend. It's so good to see you. I adore you. Uh, Mike Crutes up next, followed by Matt McNeil. Uh, Have a great night, everybody.